Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is coming. Amen. Our text for our sermon is from the prophet Jeremiah as recorded in chapter 23 verses 2 through 6. Therefore this is what the Lord the God of Israel says to the shepherds who tend my people. Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their pasture, where they will be fruitful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them, and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will rise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. This is the word of our Lord. The congregation may be seated. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it is Christ the King Sunday. The last three Sundays of our church year, we have focused on one day, Judgment Day. And we have found comfort in the fact that you will be judged righteous because you trust in Christ the King as your Savior. We have seen that although the church is often uh, destroyed by false teachers, or at least the visible church appears to be, and persecuted by those outside of Christianity, that when it's all said and done, because Christ is the King, every knee will bow. The church will be triumphant because she is His bride. But really, Christ has three kingdoms, and each kind of overlaps. The first kingdom is his kingdom of power. It's his kingdom of power because he is true God and he rules over all creation. Although he does that seemingly behind a veil because he established the natural laws, we call them science, that he usually works through, he can suspend those with miracles. So even unbelievers receive the benefit of his kingdom of power as he sustains all of creation. The second kingdom is his kingdom of grace. Didn't look very gracious as that thief hung on the cross in our gospel lesson, did it? But he said, Jesus, remember me when I come into your kingdom. And, our, our, and, and Jesus said, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus' kingdom of grace is the invisible church. You enter it not because either one of us deserve it, but simply because of God's grace. He has sent his word of forgiveness and love, and his Holy Spirit has entered your heart. You believe it, boom, you're a member of the kingdom of grace. Now, when you're a member of the kingdom of grace, you get the third kingdom, which finally is seen when he returns as king of kings and lord of lords on judgment day. His kingdom of glory. And that's when all of his glory is shown and the invisible church, which is made up of all believers of all time, is made visible. And we get the new heavens and the new earth and everything disgraceful, all sin, that's done away with. Those who rejected him go to hell. But you and I get the new heavens and the new earth. We get that glorified body. That's all the kingdom of grace. And today in our text, looking way back in the Old Testament through the prophet of Jeremiah, as we focus on Christ the King Sunday, we see that Christ is our shepherd king. He is our righteousness, and he gathers us into his kingdom, which is that kingdom of, of grace, which culminates in the kingdom of glory. Allow me to skip ahead to verse 5. The prophet Jeremiah, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says, A declaration from the Lord. Pay close attention. Do you get the impression God's trying to drive something home? I mean, all of his word is powerful. The Holy Spirit works through it. He says, I really want you to get this. 
Days are coming when I will cause a righteous sprout to rise for David. And so a king will reign and he will cause prosperity and he will do justice and righteousness in the land. A translation of the Hebrew uh, original text. Something comforting, brothers and sisters in Christ, because Jesus is king of kings. He is true God. He's true God begotten from all eternity as we confessed in the Nicene Creed. But did you catch those words? I will cause a righteous sprout to rise for David. Now we know David was a sinner and we know all of his children were sinners. We saw him screw up just like we do. But if he causes a righteous sprout, that means that it's a human. God takes on our humanity. Jesus is king of all creation. Now, in the days that Jeremiah was prophet, the king owned flocks and he had shepherds he sent out to take care of his flock. But he became one of us. The king, the shepherd, became a lamb so that he could save you and I. David himself screwed up bad. He committed adultery and then committed murder to cover it up. But God restored his faith and saved him. He had faith in the coming Savior. Notice he says a sprout because... By the time Christ is born, which is what we're going to start focusing on next Sunday during Advent, the line of David's been wiped out, at least sitting on a throne. Joseph, Jesus' adoptive or stepfather, if you will, is a descendant of David. And through Luke, it appears that Mary also is a descendant of David. The, the tree had been chopped down, but God takes on human flesh. There's nobody sitting on the throne of David for over 500 years. This is a different kind of throne. So when we hear, and so a king will reign and he will cause prosperity and he will do justice and righteousness in the land, we can get confused. Certainly the apostles were confused in Jesus' day. They thought he was coming to establish that kingdom in which he would have an empire bigger than the Roman Empire. And money would funnel in and they would live all like nobles. But those are the ways of the world. What is God's prosperity? What is the riches of his kingdom of grace? It's forgiveness, brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you think about the prosperity that you have? You can tell somebody in Christ your sins are forgiven and God says they are gone. Jesus' blood is the best stain remover at all because it erases sin. Yes, that's where prosperity is. It's his grace. There's a prosperity of his word that we can share and how amazing it is that the word is printed today. You can buy it at stores. You can get it for free. You find it in hotel rooms. And in prosperity, we get to baptize and he uses the most common element, water combined with his word to seal his Holy Spirit in our hearts. Oh, but he wants to nourish you in his kingdom. So he gives you a meal that we're going to celebrate. We get to partake of the Lord's body and blood and receive his righteousness and forgiveness in yet another way. There's an abundance of this that our shepherd king gives us. We're told he will do justice and righteousness in the land. Now, in those days, usually a king pretty much determined the laws. That was it. But what if your king was unjust? What if your king was willing to take a bribe? What if he passed laws that were more for his benefit than for his people? This is not an earthly king. Jesus literally does justice and righteousness. Go back to his being a sprout of David, his taking on human flesh. He literally did righteousness because he was righteous in your place. Never once sinned. Felt the temptations you and I do never once succumb to them in our place as our hero, as our shepherd king. 
And then he did justice because the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is an eternity in hell. And so he suffered that for you and I in our place. You and I do not need to go to hell because Christ has become a man to purchase and win you into his flock. He is our king who is our shepherd. And so in verse 6, we're told, In his day Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell in security. Now this is his name that he will call him. The Lord our righteousness. I just said he did righteousness by being righteous in your place. That's how he's your righteousness. This is amazing, brothers and sisters in Christ. When God the Father looks at you, his justice demands because you and I are sinners that we be punished and go to hell. But when he looks at you... He sees Christ, our shepherd king's righteousness. He sees no sin. When he looks at Christ, he sees your sins. And so your sins have been paid for. What he sees in you is Christ's righteousness. Now, Judah has really never lived in safety since they rejected the Lord and God allowed the Babylonians to come. And Israel, the northern kingdom, had been destroyed by the Assyrians 150 years before that. But remember, God uses the picture of Judah and of Israel as something concrete to describe the invisible church, which can't be seen. The invisible church is safe. You're a member of the invisible church because Christ has credited you with his righteousness. And so we call him that, the Lord our righteousness. When Christ returns, we happily know That he will come with his kingdom of power will be seen, but because we're members of his kingdom of grace already, we know we get the kingdom of glory. Because Christ is our shepherd king, he is our righteousness. Now, we'll go back to the opening verse here as we take a look at what happens in the visible church on this earth. Sometimes it seems like Christ is allowing it to just get beat around a lot. And we're told in verse 1, Woe to those shepherds who are causing the scattering of the sheep of my pasture. A declaration from the Lord. Again, God wants to emphasize this. Now, in the day of Jeremiah, for example, Jeremiah had this ministry in which he went around and said, God has had enough. The Babylonians are going to come. They're going to destroy the temple, the whole city. No two stones will be left standing. And the king and the priests who were supposed to be the shepherds instead said, Ah, don't listen to Jeremiah. God's going to let us conquer. Never mind the fact that we keep rejecting him and worshiping false gods. They led the people to be scattered. They led them to the slaughter. And don't kid yourself, the people were willingly led. Now let's take a look at the visible church today. So much false teaching. So much teaching that doesn't say the Lord is my righteousness. Teaching that says you contribute to your righteousness. A little bit of your righteousness or a lot of your righteousness. They're leading people astray. If you trust in your own righteousness for salvation, even just a little, that lands in hell because we are not righteous in God's sight. He's credited us with his righteousness. So God also says to those who who would teach today in the New Testament church, who would teach falsely, woe to you. He says in verse 2, Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, says against those who shepherd my people, You are causing the scattering of my sheep, and you are causing them to be driven away. And you did not attend to them with care. Pay close attention. I am reckoning your evil deeds against you. These people, if left to their own devices, will chase us from God's kingdom. And that's why it's a comfort for us, brothers and sisters in Christ, 
that God gathers us into his kingdom using his word. But there's also a warning. Just as he warned the leaders of Judah, because you're leading my people astray, I'll hold you accountable. He says the same to those who teach falsely. The Apostle Paul in his epistle to the Corinthians says some of those may escape the flames. In other words, they may still get to go to heaven, but he says they got to watch their work be burned up. That is my biggest fear. One of the sheep that God has entrusted to my care, if I have neglected it, to sit there in heaven and see one of them be announced, you're going to hell. And know that I could have had a hand in preventing it. Don't kid yourself. God has made you priests. He's placed you responsibility for you to share and show his love to your family. And as he presents the opportunity to your neighbors and friends. So let's apply this text to ourselves. Isn't it easy when a brother or sister in Christ gets caught up in a sin that appears to be excommunicable to go ahead and have that vote that says, yes, let's excommunicate. But do you hold yourself accountable, as the Hebrew says? Do you say, wait, before I vote for this, will I stop and talk to this brother and make sure that this is truly the last resort, that they have heard it even from my lips? Isn't it easy as we look at those members of our church and, and they've fallen away, they've quit coming, they've quit coming to hear the shepherd's voice. Isn't it easy to say, you know, how many years do we have to tolerate this? Let's clear the dead lumber and remove the list. Easy to vote aye. Is it as easy to say, hang on, hang on. Let me, Lord, let me have the privilege of being your voice and going and sharing with this person the good news that you are still calling them into your flock, that you want to feed and nourish them with your love and forgiveness. Easy for us to take the easy way out, isn't it? But there's a privilege. You've been put in his kingdom and you and I have been made priests and he gives us responsibilities. And it's not bad. You're responsible for that. It's a privilege because when you share the word, you get to be the shepherd's voice. Jesus is using you just as he called you into the kingdom. He, let, he gives you and I the privilege of being his voice and calling others into his kingdom or back into his kingdom if they are falling away. And so he says in verse 3, I myself will cause the gathering together of the remnant of my sheep from all the earth, which I had caused to be driven away. That is, I will cause them to be brought back upon their pastures, and so they will bear fruit and they will become numerous. This literally happened as the Syrians spread out the people of the northern kingdom, Israel, when they conquered it, and when the Babylonians spread the people out of Judah when they conquered it. See, they were supposed to share the word of God and let his glory shine. Instead, they worshiped false gods. So God allowed those people to come, allowed that hard cross upon that nation. It spread the people out. And you know, when men like the Apostle Paul went to places like Rome or Thessalonica or Philippi, all over the known world at that time, they found synagogues that had been built by the Jewish people that had been spread. And it was a tool they used because God's word was already being taught there. And they would show how God's word in the Old Testament pointed to the coming Savior. God spread them out and it made it more prosperous and the New Testament church grew. You and I are here too. Today, the invisible Christian church is not just for people who can trace their lineage to Abraham. It's to people who trust in Jesus as their Savior. Here really is where he has made us members of his flock. In God's eyes, you are a Jew. You are a descendant of Abraham. You are his child. And you do bear fruit when you hear the word, when you share the word, when you show God's love, you are bearing fruit. We're told, and they will become numerous. 
And here we are, a church that began in the 80s with a handful of people. God does bless us, and we do get the privilege of sharing that word, which he, used, which he used to bring you into his kingdom, and then he gives you the privilege of sharing and bringing others into his kingdom of grace. And so he says in verse 4, And I will rise up shepherds for them, and so they will shepherd them, and so they will no longer fear, nor will they be filled with terror, nor will they lack a declaration from the Lord. He rose up the apostles to make sure, and the evangelists to make sure his word was recorded in the New Testament. He raises up people with the gifts that he's given them who teach the word of God to you and preach the word of God to you. And he's made you a shepherd in your family and in your neighborhoods as God presents the opportunities. I assure you, brothers and sisters in Christ, just looking like at Jeremiah, here's a text that I can assure you, if I preach falsely, you have every right to pull me out of the pulpit. But he's given us his word and it's not a mystery. We can read it and we can say this is not the right teaching. We can say this truly teaches God's grace, truly is the shepherd's voice. And when it's taught in its truth and purity, it clearly spreads the kingdom. That's something to remember because we can get confused and think that God needs our, our help. Well, we need a clever scheme. We need a clever scheme to get people to come to the word. No, God presents usually through crosses. I've been amazed how often when I have the opportunity to share the word of God with somebody who doesn't know salvation, how it's usually because they, they're having a problem, they're having, they, they're having a health issue or a financial crisis or things are falling apart in their marriage. And, and then God has used that cross. And he uses that. I, I remember I had a church that had many, many delinquents and I would sit in their driveways before I'd ring their doorbell to talk to them about returning to church and pray, Lord... Send a lot of heavy crosses into their life, please. Well, that sounds mean of a, of, of a pastor to say, make this person's life miserable a bit, huh, Lord? But it's actually, it's because through those things that they would see, I need the Lord. Yes, the Lord works on crosses in your life to bring you to and keep you into his kingdom as well. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, this last Sunday of the church here, we see that Christ is our shepherd king. He is our righteousness that puts us in his kingdom of grace, which means we will get his kingdom of glory. And he gathers us into his kingdom using his word and his means of grace that tell us of his righteousness. And we have the privilege of sharing it. Amen. And now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.